Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, the founder of Defy the Status Quo, which is a marketing consultancy. And I have with me again today, Christina Baker, the senior organizer at DreamCore Justice and consultant for attorneys, advocacy organizations, and grassroots political campaigns. She's an amazing person. And we had an awesome first episode where we talked about just how activism just kind of seems to be in her blood and, you know, deciding that she's going to go pursue her law degree. You know, what did you say, Christina? You were 36? Yeah, it's about 36, three kids. 36 of three kids. See, so whatever it is that you think you missed the boat on to do, you have not. Okay. And I, and I say that just because in the midst of having three kids, people aren't usually like, I should go get a law degree. That's what I'm going to do. That's that. I could totally take that on with three children. Totally got it. (laughs) So that's not normally what it is that we're, we're thinking. And, and that's why I say that because you would think, of course, as, as a fellow mom, I'm like, man, three kids, that's a lot. Yeah. Right. A lot of work and, and reading case law for class all day. And that's not light reading. It's not like reading at all. Right? So that's not something you do while, or you try to avoid doing while you're exhausted, right? right? Because your brain's just not holding it. It's just hitting your brain and bouncing off instead of absorbing <laughs> it, I imagine. Definitely. So that was a bit of what we talked about, but I very much encourage you to go check out that episode because what we have to talk about in this episode is definitely going to dovetail a lot on that and some of the work that Cretina mentioned that she that she's done and is doing. And so Cretina, what I wanted to start us off with now is because you hinted at it, there seems to be a bit less structure required, maybe because you have an awesome team. But as you said, you know, you move with soul in terms of putting together these types of, of marketing campaigns mm-hmm. for a cause. So what does putting together that type of campaign look like at the outset when you're planning it? Yeah, I think the first thing, like I mentioned before, it's there's, you know, when you're doing a typical social media campaign, you do all of your research, you pick out your personas and all of that jazz. I am not classically trained in marketing. That's okay. <laughs> like, me neither. It is, it is not anything I went to school for. So hats off to people who go to school for marketing. You guys are amazing. But I think when you're working in the activism sphere, it's, you know, like I said, moving with soul. A lot of it starts in your heart and you just kind of know. But I think the most important thing is to start with a relatable cause. Just because you think it's a cause, a worthy cause doesn't mean that you're going to be able to get 
folks behind you. So I think you need to start with someone, something relatable. Like I mentioned on the last episode, the Julius Jones campaign, we were working to save an innocent man from death row. Death is final. (laughs) And I think a lot of people felt that. And I think, you know, even when you're not working on a campaign, you know, with someone in prison, I've worked on a global reproductive rights campaign. Reproductive health care is something that resonates with many women in particularly in particular as well as people in general. So that's that, that's like another example of a relatable cause. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're leading a voting rights campaign, that's a relatable cause. I think starting there is of prime importance and to make sure like who's going to care about this. Another thing because you're working in social justice and activism, we don't have the big teams behind us that a lot of these major marketing firms do. And unlike most, you know, campaigns in like marketing, like brand, regular brand marketing campaigns, they have an end date. We don't like our end date. We don't know when our end date will be. Julius Jones is still on death row in Oklahoma. 23 years he's been there, I believe, going on 23. My goodness. We started his campaign in 2018. It's 2021 and the campaign is still moving forward. I'm no longer in full disclosure part of the team, but I do support him and advocate for him in any space I'm in. Mm -hmm. But the point is his campaign is still going. So a dedicated team, someone who's going to be there for the long haul is going to be important as well as you being able to continue to motivate those people. (laughs) Right. Yeah. For the long haul, because it's like I said, it's, it's a lot of work and it's, one thing I discovered with Julius's case, working on his case as well, is it's emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. I can tell you the number of tears that I've shed over this case, over being, you know, talking to him on the phone. I've had a three-day pass. The warden gave me a three-day pass to visit him on death row. So I've gone to death row in Oklahoma and looked this man in his eyes and seen him light up when they bring him in in chains, you know. That is, that's emotionally taxing on anyone. Yeah. So I think mental health, I want to slip that in there. <laughs> mental health and, and self-care is very important aspect of any any time you're working on in, in these kind of campaigns. And then I think if I had to name something else, quality content. Quality content is super important because you want to keep people's attention. You know, it's enough you have this guy on death row, but Ruthie, you can log on to Instagram and with as much exposure as Julius has gotten, I mean, the growth of his campaign, about 6 million plus signatures, maybe seven or eight now, 20,000 followers on Instagram. People are watching that. Other people that have loved ones that are in prison and they're making social media pages, but those social media pages aren't getting any attention. And it's because of the content. Like I can go on any number of pages and look at the content and like this isn't resonating with folks. So quality content, which tells the story. One thing I like to do when we did on Julius's case is have him record his voice. When he filmed The Last Defense that was produced by Viola Davis, it premiered on ABC in 2018. Mm-hmm. Everyone else that was on Oklahoma Death Row that had, had, that did TV interviews were able to be shown on TV. Oklahoma Department of Corrections had no issues with that. But when Julius' team submitted a request for him to be filmed on camera, they denied it. And of course, his team was bombed over it, but it worked in our favor because all these people heard was this voice from death row. 
And that voice connected so many people and it, it hooked them in. And it, wow. and, and it was able, and we were able to use subsequent voice bites from Julius that we recorded mm-hmm. with him behind bars that we were able to use. And we would play it, you know, a soundbite I heard that stood out to me the most is what his experience has been like being on death row for 20 years. You know, Julius, Julius had a, a girlfriend that was pregnant at his, at his trial. That son is now the same age as Julius, the, the, the same age. He's 20. I'm assuming, I think he's like 21 now, Julius, as long as Julius has been on death row. So missing out on all of that and wanting to play basketball, he mentioned something as simple as putting a smile on his mother's face, not being able to do that. He, you know, worries about being such a burden to his parents with them getting older and, you know, health issues that are, that may arise with age. So having his voice relay that is key. And you don't see many social justice campaigns like that, that are doing that. Now, when you're working on an issue or cause like global reproductive rights, our focus on that campaign, the Fight for Her campaign, was repealing, permanently repealing Trump's deadly global gag rule, which was, it's also known as the Mexico policy or Mexico City policy, which states that if you're a foreign hospital or medical facility and you so much as mention the word abortion in the care of your patients, the U.S. will defund you. So it's had devastating effects on particularly the continent of Africa, where you have a lot of organizations, nonprofits that are there operating, giving women access to comprehensive Healthcare, including abortion, which is much needed, especially for women that are raped or raped by family members who need to want to go on and live quality lives without, you know, having their rapist baby. So policies like that, being able to, we used a lot of the women over in Kenya to tell the story. We hosted online digital events, town halls with our local legislators. Of course, the Republican legislators that we we invited would never show up, but we would do what's called empty chair town halls where Senator Tom Tillis in North Carolina wouldn't bother to show up. We're going to have this town hall without him and we're going to hold him accountable and we're going to discuss the issue. And when you're doing that, you're educating more people and you're rallying your base to continue to fight. So with that, working on issue campaigns like that, hosting events, even events like an empty chair town hall, are super important along with that quality content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you said, it's there in the story. And I also think it's there in the way that you don't, I mean, you probably get used to it because of these are the causes that you've built campaigns around, but Mm -hmm. you did not shy away from, from those topics at all. Like the way Mm -hmm. that you delivered just now, Mm -hmm. the way that you delivered stood out. So what, what makes it stand out for me is that this in 2020 was the year I decided that I was going to do interviews about my uh, sexual assaults mm-hmm. in the military. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about that first interview that I did, it was hard to say right. because I had spent so much time not saying it and wondering how people would feel if I said it out loud. And so even though I was sitting there with somebody who I already knew wanted to hear about it, it was still hard to explicitly use those types of words. But I think that when being intentional 
with it. There is power in not shying away from the things that make us uncomfortable. And I also, there was another thing that you said, and I think this made me think of, because I I'm like halfway through why we can't wait. And for anybody listening, that's uh, a collection of writings by Martin Luther King Jr., including the letters from the Birmingham jail. And that was definitely an impression that I got, you know, in the the parts of the book that I've read so far is that the struggle is, is that people can't be like, when is it going to be over? And you're like, geez, I, I don't know. It would be like if Christmas was a moving target. Right. Like if if we're like, hey, guys, sorry, Christmas still hasn't happened yet this year, like the retail companies would be out of their minds and probably out of Mm -hmm. money for their ad budget. But they know exactly when Christmas is going to be. Yeah, they know exactly when it's going to be. And so so that sounds like a really serious challenge. So I was kind of wondering. In terms of planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, it's hard, you can't plan for an end date exactly. Is there anything that you consider when you're putting together your plans and looking towards the future measures or tactics that you use, or even just concepts that you try to keep in mind in terms of, hey, we don't have an end date. How do we keep this energy going? Yeah, I think there to answer your question, you look for new ways to tell the story. You know, you look for new avenues, you look for new audiences. And I think that's the that's the great part of working in social activism or social justice activism, specifically when you're working for someone that is incarcerated or a cause like that, is that your target audience is so broad. You know, with, with global reproductive rights, you're targeting liberal people, people that are progressive or that believe in a woman's right to choose. And you you cater your content and your messaging to that specific audience. Well, what we're doing with, you know, people that are in prison, anybody can identify with that. Anybody. And, you know, people will typically shy away from people that are Christians or that are in church or religious because, you know, they typically support the death penalty or they may, depending on who they are or what part of the country they're in, if they're in church, they may have some underlying prejudice. Like this black man killed this white man and he needs to die for it. The Bible says, he, you know, I found, we found avenues even into them because what does the Bible also say is to love your neighbor and not just, you know, if you haven't sinned, he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's in the Bible. So yeah. why, how, who are you to condemn this person to die, to yeah. lose their life <laughs> yeah. for a crime that you say they committed, whether they did it or not? Do you understand what I'm saying? So we're able to really cast a wider net. And so we're finding new avenues to be able to drum up support. You mm-hmm. know, I mentioned the church. There are other groups like both conservative and liberal groups that we that we talk to. There are, you know, getting the celebrity aspect on board. Like I said, I'm not with Julius's campaign anymore, <laughs> but they have done a really great job of really using their resources to keep that content fresh. So I can't think of this man's name right now, but he is one of the producers, I believe, of Just Mercy, who heard about Julius's case and has come on board to really advocate hard for Julius. So they did a some something of a just mercy theme type of campaign 
when that movie came out. Like they latched on to that and got a whole new audience. There's a local rapper, up and coming rapper, who's making a name for himself in Oklahoma City. Got together with a number of other Oklahoma City known residents and they did a walk from Oklahoma City to McAllister Prison where Julius is on death row and stood outside of death row and had a protest. That garnered so much attention. And on the road, to, on their walk, they talked to a number of other influencers and celebrities. So things like that, it keeps people energized and it gives you content that you can reuse and that you can repost in so many different places, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. So I always encourage people who want to work on these types of campaign or who are working on similar campaigns to just look for those little rabbit holes that you can go down to discover new people and to keep people aware and wanting to know more and wanting to keep up with the case. It's, it amazes me how I, I even still now get messages about Julius, Julius's case. I get questions about, can you get status update? Because that content is always circulating. And mm-hmm. his, the campaign is always putting out new ideas. I actually am doing an interview on Julius's Facebook Live with CC tomorrow. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So just, you know, that was, a new, that was her idea to do Facebook Live where you don't just necessarily talk about Julius's case. We're talking about what it's like to be a Black woman working in this, you know, in social justice and, and things like that. So being able to do that and being able to, have new content and and things like that, keep things people hooked, keep them wanting to know more and keep the campaign just continually moving. Yes. And I think it's important to point out there that that going live, right? And again, like you're not not gonna be talking about just Julius's case, but going live wasn't nearly as big of a thing when you first got this off the ground. But yeah. But going live is a thing now in 2021. Like, you better be going live. Are you going live? That's the question everybody's asking. Oh, when's your next live? Like, that's what they want to know. And so it's it's rolling with the innovations. And what you've said here today, I think, transcends any one platform. All of us, if, if you use social media, you probably have a favorite platform. It mm-hmm. happens. But what that means then is that these concepts transcend those platforms. And anytime something new comes up, a new platform, a new tactic, a new content creation tool that comes out on a platform, if it comes up, you can evaluate that tool or tactic Mm -hmm. and look at it through the lens of how can this help me create something fresh out of this cause? How can I re-energize or continue to energize this audience, some of which have been with you from the very beginning? Mm-hmm. How can I give them new ways to connect? And I think especially now with the fact that it is harder to, depending on where you're at in the country or the right. world, it's harder to organize in-person events because I know they're like basically a non-starter here in mm-hmm. Maryland, mm-hmm. but it's harder to do that. But I think the important thing moving forward is as the vaccine and things roll out and people and states and, and communities are feeling comfortable with holding in-person events is that we don't forget everything that we learned in terms of creating like a digital first experience. Right. Because me looking ahead, looking at events, 
the the ability to do hybrid events is much greater now mm-hmm. because so many people know how now how to do a virtual event. Right. And if they've already done in-person events before, okay, how can I mesh that together to create a hybrid event that now gives access to mm-hmm. let's using Oklahoma City, for example, not just people in Oklahoma City, but anybody mm-hmm. who's who's signed the petition, you know, we right. can market that and there can be a, a hybrid event where we've got this virtual experience as well as an in-person experience. Right. right. You know. So I just think, you know, rolling with those punches and, and using what you've said as mm-hmm. like a map and a filter through which we can evaluate, you know, f- future social media platforms. We're looking at TikTok and Clubhouse to ways that we can combine technology with the in real life experience as those things start to come back. Right. I agree. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I have to say creating content with you was an incredibly beautiful experience. <laughs> Great. Great, great. But I, I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. And and it's just, it's been the highlight of my week. We're recording this on a Thursday in January, and it's been the highlight of my week to be able to sit down with you again. People, I invited her on the podcast after we just had an initial phone call. I wasn't even thinking that she was going <laughs> to be on the podcast. I just wanted to get to know her. We got an intro between us from, from a mutual acquaintance. and. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to me about some of the campaigns and, and things that she was working on. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, I got goosebumps. <laughs> I got goosebumps. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about the the campaign for uh, dignity for incarcerated women that you're working mm-hmm. as part of your work with, with Dream Corps, that was just that gave me goosebumps and just the level of insight that you are able to offer here today for this episode and your previous episode, I think is just going to be really valuable. So I'm excited to share that with my audience because there are a lot more people in my audience who, as they are running their businesses, are also concurrently looking at, okay, should I start a nonprofit or maybe mm-hmm. even just like monetarily or supporting causes that they, you know, feel deep within them or, or, you know, donating their time, as you said, things like that. So I'm knowing a lot more business owners who are, who are working to have a social impact in any way possible. So just thank you so much for your insight today. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, it can be tricky figuring this out, you know, especially if you're starting a nonprofit or if you're working on a particular cause, And, you know, you have to really sit down and think outside the box because you aren't like, you know, Coca-Cola being able to put out an ad or, you know, with a beautiful moment shared between a mother and a daughter or whatever. It's, you know, it's a lot more intentional, I think, when you're when you're advocating for someone's life or for a cause that could help so many people all over the world. Absolutely. You know, we could probably have a no, whole nother episode on it, but you just mentioned Coca-Cola and I was just thinking of that Pepsi commercial. Oh, yes. I think I've seen that Pepsi one. With Kylie Jenner in it. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that performative marketing. <laughs> yes. I, I, that one left me at a loss for words, definitely. But yeah. each all. Yeah, well, that's that's not how that's not how social media felt. <laughs> they were like, "No, Pepsi, never do that again." Yeah, but like I said, that that could certainly be a whole nother episode. So I just I'll go ahead and close this off. 
you know, I just thank you again so much for being with us. And just again, for anybody who's maybe just catching the second episode and of course is going to go back and listen to the first one, but hasn't yet, where can people find you? Where would you like them to connect with you? Yes, I am on Instagram at Kratina Baker, K-R-A-T-I-N-A-B-A-K-E-R. I'm also, for those who prefer Twitter, I'm also on Twitter at the same name. Awesome. So everybody, thanks again for listening. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to that uh, first episode that we did with Kratina. She was fantastic. And we learned a lot about her story and, you know, just the inspiration for her work. So, so please just, just go ahead and connect with us there. And we look forward to hearing what you think about this episode. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Please make sure that you've subscribed and do be sure to leave us a review if you found this episode at all helpful. And if you think it would be a great resource for someone else, be sure to share it with them. See you next time.